heights to the depths of the sea. Now this is going to freak Nathaniel out because when Jesus says this, Jesus is aware of something that Nathaniel didn't quite understand. And you're going to see the response and you're going to see something very interesting because Nathaniel said to him then, How do you know me? And when Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As Jesus continued to name his disciples, Philip approached Nathanael and told him to come to see the Messiah that Moses wrote about. Nathanael responded to Philip's announcement with prejudice. Hearing that Jesus came from Nazareth, Nathanael thought he had no more reason to think that he might be the Messiah or anyone important. When they met, Jesus gave him a wonderful compliment that there was nothing tricky or deceptive in Nathanael. After their first encounter, Nathanael was amazed by what he already saw in Jesus. But Jesus told him that there was much, much more to see. As believers, we too must always remember those things we have seen Jesus work in our lives. Now here's Pastor Rob. And they put an awl through his ear, and basically that was signifying, I'm going to be your servant forever. I like what I'm doing here. I want to continue doing what I'm doing here. I don't want to be released from your from what you do, because I, I love you. You've been very good to me. And isn't Jesus like that? Paul, James, Peter, and Jude, they all start their letters like this. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. James says, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude says, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. This idea of a bondservant is one who gives himself up to another's will, whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. That's what a disciple is. That's what a bondservant is. And that's what Jesus was calling to himself. That's what Jesus wants for all of us. In Matthew chapter 10, it says that a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It's enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. And let me ask you the question this morning Are you a disciple? Are you willing to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ? There are plenty. Do you understand there's a difference between a believer and a disciple? All of us are believers if we've received Christ, but out of all the believers in the world who have given their heart to Christ, only a subset of those are true disciples. It's possible to be a believer, but not a disciple. 
But let me suggest to you that if you're just a believer and you're not a disciple, you're not going to grow. You're going to shrink back from challenges. You're not going to take purity and holiness seriously. You probably won't read your Bibles very much or sporadically. Probably won't pray much. You might go to church a few times a year. You're going to heaven. Thank God for that. But you don't have a great deal of assurance of your salvation either because you just kind of accepted Christ. You believed in him, and that's good. Don't get me wrong, but there's more. And I think you understand what I'm saying. Don't just be a believer. Be a disciple. If you really believe it, why haven't you given everything toward it? Why haven't you given all of your life? And believe me, you can still work a normal job and give your heart completely over to the Lord. You don't have to go into full-time ministry in in a sense like I'm in full-time ministry. You can be a a, a marvelous witness on lunchtime, after work. You can be talking to your other employees. There are ways. And our very life is a witness. What kind of witness is it? Which are you? Are you a disciple or are you just a believer? You got your ticket stamped for glory, for heaven, and that's really all there is to it? Or are you all in? And let me suggest to you, that if you're not all in, you're going to be one miserable person for the rest of your life. Because to be just a believer is sort of like licking a lollipop or licking an ice cream but not really tasting it. You take a lick and you want to devour the whole thing. You want it to go inside of you. You want the whole thing, that big thing you get at uh, um, Pittsburgh Dairy, you know, the sugar cone with the, the large, and they give you about that much of it. I know from experience. I don't just lick it once and go, that's kind of nice, but no thanks. No. I stick the thing in my face and make a pig of myself. Right? What are you? Are you the kind of person who has just kind of tasted, but you really haven't taken in? You're going to be miserable, trust me, because you're going to have no joy. You're going to have no witness in your heart that you even belong to him. Because when you're all in... The Lord does something really wonderful in your heart. And it's a secret. You don't know until you do. You don't know until you do it. Until you're all in, you won't understand. But when you're all in, you'll have the greatest assurance. Because God will meet you. Because you're not like the vine or the grape that's dead on the vine. You're not like the... You're not like the the Dead Sea, where you're receiving stuff from the top, but nothing's coming out from underneath. No, you, you want to be like the, the Sea of Galilee. The waters from Mount Hermon are coming in. Fresh water filling the lake. And you're, as much as you're getting from above, you're giving out from beneath. And it goes down into the Jordan. But it gets landlocked in the, the Dead Sea. Are you the Dead Sea or are you the Sea of Galilee? Are you a believer or are you a disciple? Which are you? If I'm a disciple... Of Jesus, it means that I don't think of the things that Jesus said as just optional. Or I I don't just obey the things that fit my lifestyle and my circumstances. If I'm a, a disciple of Jesus, it means that I don't pick and choose what parts of the Bible I read and submit myself to. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, it means that I don't try to twist the word of God to make it okay for me to continue to live in sin. Our mandate is to make disciples, to be a disciple, and to make disciples. What did Jesus say before he arose into heaven? 
Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And here's the command. Here's the mandate. It's not an optional thing. No, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples, assuming you're one yourself. You can't make a disciple unless you're one yourself. Go and make disciples, notice of all nations, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that. And what happens if we don't submit to that? The stakes are very high, folks. Do you understand that? You remember what happened? In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, there's a very scary verse that brings chills into my heart every time I read it. It was speaking about Joshua. You know, when Moses was alive, the children of Israel were in line, you know. (laughs) And after he passed away, he passed the mantle to Joshua. And and as long as Joshua was alive, boy, they were kind of, you know, starched and looking forward and careful. But once he died... It says that when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. And why is that? Because the fathers weren't discipling their sons. The mothers weren't talking to their kids. The parents, the adults, weren't discipling their kids and their grandkids. How important is it for us? There's a report from the United States Department of Justice, and this is an old report. It was done back in 1998. It was statistics concerning fatherless children. It said this. It says, children from fatherless homes account for 63% of youth suicides, 90% of all homeless and runaway youths, 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders, 71% of all high school dropouts, 70% of juvenile in-state operated institutions, 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers, 75% of rapists motivated by displaced anger. And this was an old report. Homeless, or, you know, fatherless, kids. How important is discipleship today? Why did Jesus say to them, come and follow me, come and see? Because he had something to offer them, something better to give to them. And folks, you and I have so much to give. Some of you have, just even in the natural, in the skills and abilities and the wisdom that you've obtained, even in the world, is worth sharing with a young person. How much more than your Christian faith and what you know to be true in the Word of God? So important, isn't it? So important. There are plenty of examples in the Bible where there was, a, there was an evil king, and a son who came after him who was just as evil. <laughs> we see that. The king was evil. The son is growing up under his dad. He does the same thing. But occasionally there's these wonderful examples, rare. And such is the case with Ahaz and Hezekiah. Ahaz was one of the worst kings in Judah. He was the, one of the worst. I mean, everything that you could possibly do to irritate God, he did it. But yet his son, Hezekiah, came along, and he was one of the reformer kings tore out all the altars of Baal that his father had set up, all the sundials, all the wicked, idolatrous practices that his father had done. He took away all that stuff, and he got them back in order again, and God blessed the man. I don't know that Ahaz, or Hezekiah, I'm sure, who was his mentor? By the grace of God, he turned out to be a good king. How'd, how'd that happen? I wonder if there was somebody off in the wings, maybe one of the priests who was faithful. Who knows? 
But all is not lost. All is not lost. If you started and maybe you're, maybe you're a great example, maybe you're not so good example, don't let the excuse of your mess-ups in the past keep you from sharing in the right things with young people around you. And if you don't have kids, there are a lot of young kids in this, you know, here that, you know, you can talk to. You get their parents' permission, you never know. Sometimes there's single parents who has a son who doesn't have a father. Maybe take that son out to lunch. Talk to the parent. Talk to the mother. Okay, can I take your son out to go fishing? Can I take him out? We're going to go hunting. We're going to go to the, you know, the go-kart track, whatever it may be. We're going to go do something. Can he come along with us? So many young men, young women without dads, without moms, that need to be discipled. Are you a disciple? Are you willing to disciple others? I think of Moses and Joshua. What a great example. Certainly Joshua growing up under Moses, seeing all that Moses went through with the people, all the things that God had done. He learned in real time all of these things, and that's really what an apprentice does. He's kind of waiting in the wings. He's, he's watching as the, as the master is going through this, and Joshua is looking at Moses going, what are you going to do now? And Moses says, well, I'm going to go pray. That's what I'm going to go do. He's like, I'll join you. He learns, oh, wait, when I have a problem, I'm not just going to go put it on my credit card. I'm going to go to the Lord. <laughs> That's what he does. That's how he learned. He was an apprentice. And then finally, Moses fades from the scene. Joshua's the guy that God puts his hand on. And this happens all throughout history. Paul and Timothy, Elijah and Elisha, even Pastor Jeff and myself. Little did he know. I don't think either one of us knew what the Lord had in plan. We, we had no clue. Only three months before he left, it all came, to, came together. I had no idea that God was going to call me to this. I had no idea that I was being discipled for 25 years. I was being discipled. I didn't even know it. By him. And I love that because it kind of just sneaks up and bites you. You had no idea. It's not like something you set out to do because you want a disciple. I want to disciple somebody, so therefore I'm going to call. No, it's just a very natural thing. There's, there's people in this fellowship that I know where that is happening. An older man is taking a younger man under his wing. But are you willing to be the one... Who's doing the discipling? Are you too busy? And what are you busy with? How important is what you're doing compared to pouring into? How important is it? In verse 44, it says, Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I think that's interesting because he's telling him, Hey, this is the one who Moses talked about. And certainly there are a number of scriptures. We're not going to go through any of these today. Time really doesn't permit because we're going to take communion here shortly. But when you look at all these things in the law, I mean, there's, this is just one of them that came. I just randomly picked a handful from the law and also from the prophets. Concerning Jesus, specifically. And that's what Philip says. 
He found Nathanael and said, This is the one who Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote about. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It wasn't a very popular town. It was one of those towns that when people heard it, they kind of frowned upon it. And Nathanael said to him, or excuse me, Philip finally said to Nathanael, Come and see. Again, the invitation is there. Do you see that? I want you to see something really wonderful. If you look in verse 39, we saw Jesus' invitation from those men to himself. Jesus invites, and now as a result of them being invited, what does Philip say to Nathaniel? Come and see. Do you see the progression? Jesus says, come and see. Now I tell somebody else, hey, come and see. Do you see how that's discipling? I'm leading them. Not to me, not to anyone else, not to some evangelist, not some great teacher. I'm leading them to the great teacher, Jesus Christ. Have we stopped inviting people to Jesus? Have we stopped saying, come and see? For many, you know, for maybe for some of you this morning here, you're thinking, you know, that, that's true, I haven't. I've been very busy. I've been very distracted. I don't talk to people about Jesus anymore. I certainly don't invite them to say, come and see. I don't invite them to church. I want to, invite, I want to encourage you to do that. We're not trying to build a mega church. This church is not big enough for that. And thank God, because with a big church can be a big headache. But that's God's business. But here's the thing. We should be inviting people. Come and see. Bring them over to your house. Tell them, come and see. They're not going to appreciate you. They're not going to ask you for the invitation. You have to invite them. You have everything they have. You have this treasure in earthen in an earthen vessel, the spirit of God within you. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. When's the last time you said come and see? Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, "Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit." This word, this phrase could actually be translated Behold, an Israelite in whom is no Jacob. Because remember, Jacob was a deceitful man. In fact, his name means footcatcher, supplanter, thief. That's what his name meant. Now, this is going to freak Nathaniel out because when Jesus says this, Jesus is aware of something that Nathaniel didn't quite understand. And you're going to see the response, and you're going to see something very interesting. Because Nathaniel said to him then, how do you know me? And when Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Why would he respond like that? After Jesus just said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Because Jesus, we're going to see in the next, in verse 51, Jesus knew what Nathaniel was thinking out of sight from Jesus. Jesus knew he was under, under a tree, which he couldn't see at the moment. That, that freaked him out to know that God knew, that he knew where he was. But he also knew what he was thinking. Because when he, he, Jesus answered and said, Because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And then verse 51, And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Does that ring a bell? Genesis chapter 28, when Jacob was running 
and he put his head on the pillow. Remember Jacob's ladder? Nathaniel was completely blown away because not only was, when, before even Jesus knew where he was, he says, you were under a fig tree. I knew what you were thinking about, Nathaniel. And Nathaniel's going, what? Were you in, were you in Genesis 28, weren't you, about Jacob? And whom is no guile? And Nathaniel's going, oh my goodness. <laughs> only God can do that. And it's true, because what is the very focus behind John's gospel? Here it is. The very theme of John's gospel. That's what netted Nathaniel. That's what got him into the net. And why? All these things that we're going to be reading about as we get into the, the gospel of John. Why? These, these things that um, John picked, they're cherry-picked out of all the things, different from the synoptic gospels, different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These are very specific to point us to the truth that Jesus is who he said he was and is the Son of God. And all of these things are going to blow people's minds. You really are who you said. Well, of course. Here it is. But these things are written that you may believe what? That Jesus is just a good man? That he's just a good uh, you know, prophet? Just a decent carpenter, really good guy, probably great for the Cub Scouts. No. <laughs> that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God, equal with God the Father, and that believing you might have life in his name and no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so be encouraged this morning. You know, as, as we've looked at this chapter, we've looked at the beginning of the disciples. And be challenged, folks, about disciple. Being a disciple yourself, not just a believer. Don't be satisfied just being a believer and having your, your passport stamped for glory. Don't settle for that. Do not settle for that. Take the bait. <laughs> Swallow the hook. Be all in. Be all in. Don't just nibble on the ice cream. Take it all. Take it all. Do not delay. Give everything, your heart, your mind over to Christ. And you will be blessed. And you will have the greatest assurance. When you're walking with Jesus, he's always confirming to you. Even more so, you're doing a great job. I'm so proud of you. He gives you that assurance. Even when everyone else around you is like, you're a real nutcase. It's okay. I don't care being called a nutcase. You can call me whatever you want. I know where I'm going and I know who I believe. And for the once in my life, I got my head on straight. Everything makes sense to me now. The truth is very obvious now, isn't it to you? As you read the Word of God, doesn't the truth, doesn't it just resound? It changes everything. It's right. It even feels right. But get all in. Don't just be a believer. Be a disciple. And then as you become a disciple, you disciple others. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.